0: You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number 1 podcast for African American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the People's Lender, Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson.
1: Most wholesalers operate as self-employed business people. Honestly, most business most entrepreneurs are really self-employed. Right. I can name a few that we know very well. We can name real estate agents. We can name um hairdressers, we can name barbers, we can name these people who are talented and who can deliver a service, but that's that they're limited to their own time in how they're able to build their build and develop their income. So the self employed person really doesn't invest in teams or processes, they're just highly skilled, highly knowledgeable. And the unfortunate part is the asset is highly taxed as well. So it's a lot of problems with being self-employed. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're still an employee. The only difference is now you, your own boss.
0: You are listening to the Real Estate Proverbs podcast with host Kevin Jefferson. This is the number one podcast for African American real estate professionals who are doing extraordinary things. It's time to tune in. And now, your host, the people's lender, Kevin Jefferson. Kevin Jefferson.
2: Welcome to the Real Estate Proverbs podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Jefferson. And today we got a special guest, my young gunner, Tyshawn Jackson. What's going on, baby boy?
1: Good.
2: Not much, man. Everything's going good. How about you?
1: Man, blessed, blessed, blessed beyond what I can tell you, man.
2: That's what's up. Let's let's tell the world who Ty Jackson is, man, for those who don't already know.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So Tyshawn Jackson is an entrepreneur located right here in Atlanta. Actually, the owner and operator of the largest wholesale operation here in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, we shoot for the largest wholesale operation here in the country soon come. Um, you know, this is our second full year in business. So we still very early in the game. But man, we got a lot Um we, we've done a lot in a very short amount of time, still a lot more we want to do. And actually, a couple other business ventures we, we treading into here as well as we get the team um, scaled up to a point that allows us to transition. Um, but, man, I, I can go on for days on, on who I am, but I'm, I'm going to keep it brief and brilliant.
2: OK, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, man, so I met you back at your previous company and. um my experience with you was if I didn't know the owner, I would have thought you were one of the owners. Right. So I I, when I heard that you went out on your own, I wasn't surprised, man. Tell me about that journey of how you even got into real estate.
1: Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. So I actually, you know, went a very traditional route out the gate went to school, made good grades, went to college, graduated, got the job out of college, unhappy as shit, right? Now, not initially, right? It took about a year or two for me to realize that this really was not for me. But what ended up happening was, you know, whenever I get into a place, I really like to attack things in life, man. That's just like a part of who I am, one of my core values. So I ended up really just insatiably started to learn these other vehicles to be out of the situation that I was in, real estate being one of those vehicles. You know, and as I aggressively pursued it and, you know, figured out that this is the lane I wanted to take, I ended up, you know, actually um, putting together a game plan. The game plan was for me to buy my house with this corporate W-2 that this job was giving me, which I realized was a blessing. Take that W-2, buy me a house, house hack a bit, have these guys cover my mortgage, make a little bit of money on top. And with that, that give me the leeway to quit this job, you know, cut down my risk a little bit, you know, take care of my biggest expense for usually all of our biggest expense, which is rent and really thug it out with this momentum in this wholesale business, which was the um, initial plan. So everything went as planned. I closed on my house. It was um crazy. It was August 17, 17. Never forget that day. And um, once I closed on that house, I got my guys in. I already knew my guys that were gonna move on with me. They were my day one guys. They were excited. We were all fresh out of college, so they were excited to move out of their parents' spot in this in this place. And um, you know, I jumped in now trying to get momentum in this wholesale business, man, and, and I just fell flat on my face. It was um it was terrible, man. I, I didn't close a deal in about six months, and I'm telling you, my ribs were showing. I was hungry. I was hungry. And I started then to search for some um, some mentorship, which is when I ran, um, you know, into my mentor that the uh, I I actually ended up working for. And man, it was at that company when I realized I learned what my problem was. It wasn't that I didn't know the state. I didn't know business. That was my problem that was my, I did not understand the core fundamentals of business. And I think that's a lot of people's problem. They think that they can just, you know, understand an industry, you know, this industry specific game or knowledge and not know business, but see the business is actually is the foundation to any industry. That's what you have to know to be able to create this residual or predictable aspect to how you perform going into any industry. So that's what I was able to learn at that startup, man. And um, like you said, I ran it like it was mine. That's one of my core values as well, man. Anything I do, I do it 100%. And um, I went in and did it 100, 110. I gave it 110, man. And it grew. I learned so much. I tell anybody, if you want to learn business, go into a startup that is not developed. And it's just a ton of area or places that you can add value and because of how quickly and volatile startups are, you get to really witness all the problems and phases of growth. And when you see that, you know, in, in its like in its most organic way, that knowledge, it's like, man, I, I, I got like a Ph.D. education in business in two years. So, you know, with that, I was able to have the confidence to move on and like really build a sustainable business based on that information and experience that I had gained.
2: Wow. So where? So after college, what what made you want to wholesale?
1: Because it was the no money, low money way to get into real estate. And I was broke. You know that's that, that's the only reason anybody wholesale. You're not wholesaling because you just love giving sellers bare cash offers. And let me tell you, I hate when people frame it as that. You know, like, yeah, man, I love helping sellers, and I love. Listen, come on, man, we're trying to get a check right now. Here's the thing: not saying that we're not, you know, delivering a service to the world. I think um, my man Ray Dalio said we are paid in the direct correlation of the value that we can bring, you know, to the overall world itself. So yes, we're bringing value, but at the end of the day. I mean, this is like, I mean, this is the trenches in real estate wholesaling. Um, But, you know, it it does allow you to come into the game with very little resources and allow you to build up a cash reserve. So now you can, you know, go into a few different verticals and, you know, really be able to attack um, uh, something that you may really passionately want to be in. But it it wasn't a passion, man. It was just something I got into because it was really the only option I had.
2: Gotcha. So, what year was this that you started wholesaling on your own first? This was June twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So June twenty nineteen, you go into wholesale, you start wholesaling, and you fall. No, twenty nineteen. When you, I'm talking about when you not when you started your company. Yeah. Previously, prior to um working at your old company.
1: When I got smacked. Yeah. Oh, so this was this was August. 2017. This one, as soon as I bought my house, I quit. Okay. Um, yeah. As soon as I bought my house, I had quit. And then I had started moving in that direction. So that, that was when, that was when I, I thought I, I thought I knew, I thought I had it going on. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so, so June, prior to June, 2019, had you closed any wholesale deals while you were
1: still working? No, 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 no. One of my biggest problems as well. So I was just insatiably taking in content. I'm talking YouTube Uh, podcast, reading book after book and content after content, I could tell you anything about the real estate industry, like rapid fire. If it was a real estate jeopardy show, I would have finished first damn place. I was ready, but I I really had not actively got in the industry, which is actually a major part of um, why I felt as well. Got
2: you. So you quit Right. You, well, you leave your job, you go to wholesaling, you fall on your face. At what point did you decide I need to find a, another another gig to get me to live, to allow for me to live?
1: It was like around that November, December time. So that was about three, four months in about three, four months in is when I had started my the, the new gig. And um, <clears throat> at first I started part-time. See, the goal was to just get close to my mentor, get position myself close enough to my mentor so I can get this game, so I can give value because I don't, it's, you got to figure out how to give value to the people around you, especially mentors. You can't just take, take, take. So I wanted to be able to work part-time for that to be able to be how I gave value and then be able to steal with the rest of the time, be able to get this business going. But what ended up happening was when I got in the business, I started seeing all the potential in this business now. So I'm like, oh wow, this is what y'all going on? Oh man, if we just, you know, add a little bit of this, add a little bit of that, we could really take this thing to the next level. So instead of me, you know, staying part-time after two weeks of being part-time, I literally pulled the guys to the side and I was like, yo, I think I just need to go ahead and get this thing popping full time. And the crazy thing is, the funny thing was, was uh, they was like, yo, literally, we was about to pull you to decide to have this same meeting with you. <laughs> <laughs> so It was crazy. We was on the same page and we saw you know, the potential and what was there and what was needed. So, I mean, we didn't waste no time, man. We didn't waste no time. I think that January popped off, actually, we had got an office and um, it was still very little people, probably like about three or four people on the team at that point. But I mean, at the height when I left, I think we um, grew it to about 15.
2: Wow. Wow. I mean, I know I know like just my experience with you guys, like it was a lot of talented people um, at that company, man. A lot of talented. So what what was that thing that made you say, okay, okay, Ty, it's time to go out on my own?
1: You know, that's a, that's a really good question, man. And, it's, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, we have these phases and these chapters in our life. And, um, man, when I tell you, I am really thankful for that phase because that was probably one of the most pivotal phases of my life. Um, but you can't overstay your welcome in any one phase. And you really got to be in tune with your journey enough to know when a chapter or phase is ending. Because if you overstay your welcome in any one chapter, there's literally a diminishing return. And what I mean by that is it comes a point where literally the time spent here is not going to bring you a big enough return or as big as a return as you now moving to this next chapter or next phase of your life. And a lot of times people overstay their welcome in one chapter because they're fearful, they're doubtful, they're cynical, whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, whatever you battling you is holding you back you know, to fear that change or that, that new, that uncertainty, you know, of next phase and chapter, but you got to really get over that within yourself. That's just a a battle you need to have. And I'm going to be honest, a lot of times it's, it's mental, it's spiritual, but you got to figure out what that is. And um, I guess to bring it full circle, what, what I experienced was just me really like evaluating my goals personally, you know, my talents that I had now, you know, accumulated, And just really understanding what I wanted for myself. Um, It wasn't that the company could no longer, you know, even bring me financial gains because, I mean, I was doing very well at that company. I was very happy with how I was being compensated, but it was just more so my long term. I wasn't really attacking my long term goals how I wanted at this point, because I, I feel like that phase I had gotten the meat and potatoes of what I was supposed to get from that part of the journey. it was now time to move on
2: gotcha so that time to move on was what you said august 2019
1: no no august august 2017 was when i when i when i first quit my first corporate job and i left in june 2019 um that time i think it was literally like the last it was like may 31st gotcha like my last day was crazy um 2019 and um, June was when I popped off going full time in, in um, the business.
2: Gotcha. So um, how did you get started? Like how walk me through how you got started with uh, your company. And we're going to talk about how you became the phone guy. We got to get to that.
1: <laughs> so I was listening. By the time I was in this business, I was already the phone guy. I was already <laughs> the phone guy at that point. You know, it's crazy. I've always been in sales, man, my whole life. I've been in sales. It's one of the things that came more naturally to me. Um, I don't like to say that because I believe sales is like truly a skill set. But if I had to say it, not to my horn, I do believe I'm probably one of those few natural born salespeople. Right. Meaning like just naturally have people skills, just naturally can connect with other people and, you know, have, a you know, high emotional intelligence and those things that just are innate in me. But it really wasn't to, you know, since I started working at that, the start when I was really able to learn the technicalities of the game, right? Like really learning it from a technical, mechanical standpoint And see, when you, the difference between, see, at first, everything to me was just intuitive. Like it was just natural. Like I felt it. Right. And I could, and I could operate in this way where I could produce a consistent result. But when you really study the game and you understand the techniques, you now can do these things at will with intent. And that's a difference. That's when you really start, you know, approaching like the mastery of the game. Cause I was just insatiably studying sales, insatiably. So much so where I moved out of the sales position and started grooming and teaching other salespeople. And this is when I learned, holy shit, I can, I'm actually good at growing and developing other salespeople. I can build a sales team. Everybody's telling me I'm a great sales manager, sales leader. Like uh, and this is where, and, and see, this is how you start really building real confidence. You start building real confidence by actually doing the things that you want to do and actually seeking results. So, that was uh, at that company is where is where I got the reputation of being a phone guy. I would hop on that phone and listen, Kevin. If you was on the phone with me, you would have got close. Listen, anybody on the phone was getting close, but it was fun. It was like that was that was the culture we had, you know. That, that's the culture we have now with my company. And um, you know, I, 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 sales just taught me so much, not even just, just about life in general, but now that was a full tangent answering your question on how we got started. We, man, we, we just, man, when I tell you, we just straight hopped off the porch, man. Like same way I got started last time, going back to podcasting, going back to now, um, you know, YouTube, and which was actually the biggest mistake. That was the biggest mistake because knowing what I know now, the very first thing I would have done is I would have got mentor, I would have copped the mentor day one, Like that would have completely changed the trajectory of our business. I don't, we didn't get a mentor for real, for real. We was like paying for these little small consultations, but we didn't get a full blown robust mentorship until February. That following February is when we got a mentorship. Mm. Now, because of that, you know, we were very organically moving, um, you know, going off YouTube videos, kind of building scripts. And remember at this point, I had a business partner as well. Me, plot twist my business partner that I had, I met at the previous company. So me and this guy, that's a big thing, man. Partnerships are so powerful, man. Partnerships are so powerful, a healthy partnership, right? And you know, at that company, I was able to work in the trenches with him. So I knew how he worked. I knew how he thought. I knew how we worked together collaboratively. I knew our skill sets. I knew our strengths and our weaknesses. So it wasn't that much guesswork in what it would be like to work with this guy. So, the beauty of it is, me and my business partner, we hopped in together, Um, you know, we instantly start, you know, putting things in work, start building processes, because we knew we wanted to build a business. From day one, we knew we did not want to be wholesalers. We wanted to build a wholesaling business. So, with that, it's a few different things that you do. You now start taking very seriously the documentation of things, you now start trying to put tools in place to make sure you cannot train other people. You know, so now we're starting to get these things in place, get a little bit of momentum around, I think it was August, August or yeah, around August, we started hiring our first, you know, few salespeople, um, to actually get, uh, get momentum and get rolling. And we closed our first deal. I think it was in September. Well, let me tell you, we needed that one, (laughs) needed that one. We needed it. But, um, It wasn't until I would say that whole first, you know, six months from like that June to December was really just figuring it out. And I would consider January our real full first year in business where we actually had momentum. We had a strategy. We had a plan. We got our office and we really started firing on all sorts. So
2: you said something that I've never heard well that I haven't heard many wholesalers say you said you didn't want to be a wholesaler you wanted to have a wholesaling business Tell me the, tell me your thoughts on the difference between the two
1: So most wholesalers operate as self-employed business people honestly most business most entrepreneurs are really self-employed right and I can name a few that we know very well we can name real estate agents. We can name um, hairdressers. We can name barbers. We can name these people who are talented and who can deliver a service, but that's that they're limited to their own time in how they're able to build their build and develop their income. So the self-employed person really doesn't invest in teams or processes. They're just highly skilled, highly knowledgeable, and uh, unfortunate parties. They ask is highly taxed as well. So it's a lot of problems with being self-employed. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're still an employee. The only difference is now you, your own boss. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. Most people are not even ready for that phase of their life. Most people are not ready to literally build out their own day and be productive and prioritize and turn down distractions. And we think about it, it. Think about this, right? Since school, we have been given a schedule. All our lives, people have been telling us what to do. In order for us to be able to accomplish tasks, even all the way through college. So now, a lot of people, when they jump into entrepreneurship, they really have, they really learn about places in themselves they never had to explore before because you don't have that crutch anymore. You don't have somebody telling you what to do. And a lot of people are not ready for entrepreneurship because you're not disciplined enough to know how to put together a day and stick to it. So it's all about who can manage your time better, right? He who controls your time controls your life and future. But at the end of the day, certain jobs actually will be able to manage your time and make it more profitable than you can. At the point where you can make time more profitable than a job, it's time to go. That's when you know it's time to go. But Going back to the original question, being self-employed and building a business in that way caps you in how you can operate and it will never be passive ever. So building an actual business, what happens is you're putting a team Now, you you now prioritize. The value system is different. You don't just value money. You don't just value, you know, being able to generate revenue. You value. It's more of a long play. It's more of a play because a lot of people, they was confused about what we were doing. You guys haven't made a damn dime yet. Why are you hiring cold callers? You need to cold call yourself. Hey, you guys haven't even become really profitable yet. Why are you getting salespeople? Like they really couldn't understand why we were doing this, but we were building an engine. We were building a system that that would not stop, that we wanted to keep moving. And you have to have a different mindset and why you're doing that. That's why a lot of business owners, they know, yo, I'm not going to be profitable to year two. And I'm okay with that because I'm building this business, this engine. A self-employed person, they're scrambling to do what they can to make a profit today. They want to make a dime today. But unfortunately, that dime today keeps you trapped in that position or in that same circumstance two, four, five, ten 10 years from now, depending on when that light bulb goes off. And I'm not going to say that being a business owner is for everybody because it's not. You can also be an investor, right? An investor is a different, an investor and a business owner is the same. So a lot of self-employed people, they build up this check and then they reinvest it and they can get their residuals that way, which- but for most people, I think is actually the way to go. But with us, we did not want to go self-employed. We was broke as hell, so we could not be a no-damn no investor. But our skill sets were more so of that of business. So that's what we prioritized our talents and our time.
2: Wow. Yo, man, that's, that's great insight. You know what I mean? That's great insight on the difference between you know being a wholesaler and having a wholesale business so um you said january 2020 was officially your real first year right yeah so yeah. at that time i don't know when these you know when they're listening to it this could be 2021 2025 so January 2020 hits, and you said, "How how did that start off? How did that year start off for you?"
1: You know, that year started off with a lot of mindset with, with a mindset shift, man. You know, it's it's crazy. This this business journey is is very spiritual, actually, because um, I, I realized that as a business owner, you know, our business is just really a reflection of us as owners. You know, so the stronger we get, you know, the bigger we think, um, you know, the more creative we become. You know, I it flows over into our business. So, you know, I was doing a lot of personal development, me and my business partner, we was doing a lot of personal development that last quarter. And uh, we just started thinking, we started being a lot more bold and getting a lot more brave, even though the fruits of our labor, you know, still wasn't really there. But we really was, um, you know, we really was, I, I think it allowed us to be a lot more, pa- it allowed us to be a lot more patient as we like really um, advanced or matured, um, just really as as human beings and once we really started to ascend, it allowed us to be more aggressive, more aggressive. Because a lot of, when you build a business, man, it's not an overnight thing. And especially when you you already don't got a lot of bread in your pocket as it is, that can be a very testing uh, journey. So with the year popping off, what we actually wanted to do, because we, we started in my one bedroom apartment. It's three guys in there working literally nine to five every day. We started that business. Like as soon as we left, that last business, we instantly started going nine to five in my one bedroom. Like like we did not, you know, I hear a lot of new entrepreneurs say, yeah, I got a flexible schedule. You don't have no damn flexible schedule. You haven't even created a schedule for yourself. That's the truth. That is really what has happened. But we instantly started attacking it just like it was a nine to five, you know, coming into my apartment. We set up the little, we had our little desk set up on these, you know, raggedy ass little plastic picnic tables. You know, uh, listen, we was working with with what we had at that point and um, we hit it. And the biggest thing our mindset shifted to was, yo, we need an office. Like at this point. It's like a fish can only grow as big as the fish tank. The same thing with us as business owners. That was one of the most, that was one of the biggest things that we did moving out of my apartment and going into an office. It was probably the biggest move we made in 2020. And some moves as an entrepreneur is gonna be gut moves because if you look on paper, an office looks like an additional expense. And when you're not really making money, it's very hard to justify why you're making this expense. But some things is very difficult is very difficult to quantify. But how do I quantify that I'm about to three to four X my productivity, right? How do I quantify that I'm going to be a lot more attractive to now hire better talent? How do I quantify that I move into this office space And one of the neighbors is a hard money lender, and he has a list of buyers. And I end up closing deals with some of this guy's buyers. Like you, some of these things you really can't quantify the moves, but you got to make these gut calls. And that's how we popped off the year, moving into an office um, and actually purchasing a mentorship. So this was crazy now because this was um, this was actually the mentor. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rafael. Shout out to Rafael Vargas, man. Gave amazing value. Love his day. We dropped 25 racks on the mentorship in February. And I remember because that we went out to Tampa, Florida. It was on a Friday. I think yeah, it was, yeah, it was on a Friday. We went out to Tampa, Florida and we had just closed two deals. We closed two $10,000 deals and we took that money and we spent it literally, the money we just made, spent it on a $25,000 pro- program. So, 10,000 of the deal, you know, the 20 Gs we just made on the deal. We gave it to him and we, 5K, we, we you know we had to split it up. We was like, yo, look, the way that count set up, we're going to do these <laughs> cards for this 20 and this remaining five, we're going to split it up. These two credit cards, we're going to do 2,500 on this one. We're going to do 2,500 on this one. <laughs> but we ended up doing that, man. And it was the best money we ever spent because at that time prior, we were actually going out belly to belly and meeting sellers. We were going out to the house and meeting sellers after that event we realized we was doing it all wrong i mean the top guys in the industry are closing over the phone the top guys in the industry are never really leaving they're actually virtually wholesaling and they're expanding their um, they're expanding and closing deals in multiple cities and markets so when we realized that you know we, when we got the cuz really what the, what a mentor does is give you the formula and see, me, me, I mean, me, me and Ryan and my business partner, you give us a formula, we're gonna smack a process, people, measurables, and everything behind it to make it be sustainable and move. And that's exactly what we did. And once we got that formula, man, we just really took off. So 2020 mentorship and the office were the two biggest things we did. But I wish those were the first things we did. If I can go back, I would have started the business in the office. The office would have been an automatic expense. It's more serious. Your productivity is better. Everything about it is just more productive. And the mentor also increases your productivity. And you have to understand it's an investment. These are investments you make, you know, into your business first that although, like I said, they look like expenses, they're not. They're not They're not expenses, they're investments. Very different.
2: All right. So January, we start our year off. February, we make 20 racks and we spend 25 on mentorship
1: back in the hole
2: back in the hole march 2020 hits what happens pandemic march,
1: march 2020 hits the pandemic hits and you know everybody's shitting their pants you know all the all the um a lot of our buyers are telling us they're not sure what's going on right now um a lot of the hedge funds they're not buying and but but and you know it's every i mean the news is just just the most depressing thing at this point and it's very easy to drown out. And, you know, really, ha- you have every excuse at this point to like call it quits. Like we had every excuse to say, yo, this is probably not the best time. Things are not going in the right direction. Let's wrap it up. But when I tell you, man, we, we went even harder around this time. We went even harder. And it was tough, man, because I even had my, my mom, like, we were still going into the office every day. We were the only people in our office space. And my mom thought I was just, you know, um, Satan himself for doing that. Ty, you going out there in that pandemic, you putting yourself at risk. You putting your whole team at risk for this week. I, and my mom, I, you know, I understand she has my best interests at heart. My mom loves me to death, but the thing about it is, look, we a small business. My mom doesn't know what it's like to be a small business owner, right. and I, I couldn't afford. My mom, I'm not really, you know, telling my mom all my issues and problems. That's not what I'm doing, with my mom. I'm letting my mom know, you know, kuna matada, everything is good. <laughs> but she don't know, she don't know that I've been living off a credit card the past few months, and I got to do what I got to do to survive, right? So, with that being the case. Me and my business partner, man, we we ramped it up. We turn up the marketing. We turn up, um, you know, we turn up, uh, you know, what we do in the acquisitions. Our acquisitions person actually goes full-time. We have a full-time skilled acquisitions person at this point um, that we now train on this new virtual business model that we're now doing. And, you know, we actually turn, you know, this what appeared to be a problem, or an issue into a major opportunity. Because guess who else started slowing down and started getting out the game? Other oh, wholesaler. yeah, the
2: wholesalers. the wholesalers.
1: So this ended up being a huge opportunity for us because now we are now building up our marketing, where uh, our sales team is getting stronger, we're building up these relationships, building up this pipeline and everybody is laxing in the game. You know, all as, and even as I'm talking to the wholesalers, I know they like, "Yeah, man, you know, this this pandemic, man, it's slowing up my pipeline." The pandemic ain't slowing up your pipeline, you slowing up your pipeline. You stop marketing, you stop making calls, you stop hiring VAs, you stop doing all these things because you were able you the 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 uh, circumstance gave you an excuse and you you took the excuse and you ran with it but the truth of it is the sellers that wanted to sell they was it wasn't any less distressed sellers people still want to sell their property you know the game is still going it's just, are you going to take the excuse and stop moving? Or are you going to see the opportunity and what's really happening around you right now? So, you know, with that being the case, man, March hits, um, it was it, it was tricky because, of course, because buyers kind of slowed down and they weren't buying how they normally would, we really had to, you know, really be aggressive and creative with selling these deals, you know, that we were able to get our hands on. But, um, I mean, I think from March... It was about a good three-month run where people just was unsure about the market. But after that, I mean, everybody once like, you know, once buyers saw that about 90 days through the pandemic, that homes were still selling at record prices, a lot of that fear just got straight shook off. And, you know, guys went right back to buying how they normally were. And by that time, you know, wholesalers, they getting back in, they ramping up their marketing campaigns again from start. And we over here got a full pipeline that been building up. For the last so now potentially six months now you know of the year and I mean not even counting the, the, the year prior right I'm just talking about 2020 and um, I mean we 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 had it flowing man we had it flowing and going and we ended up hiring our second salesperson I think our second salesperson came in um, around it was it was in quarter three. And then we also had another young lady to be in our disposition department to move our deals in quarter three as well. So we did a lot of hiring um, in quarter three.
2: Wow. So, uh, so in 2020, how many uh, wholesale deals did you
1: do? I was somewhere around 40 to 50 deals. Um, But, you know, I mean, we ended up finishing, I mean, we ended up finishing, we had a, you know, we had, we were, I mean, by the end of the year, we were seven figure producers. You know, we, 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 we hit our first goal, you know, to, to, to be a million dollar business. And, you know, that it just gave us a lot of confidence, man. It it gave us a lot of confidence. It gave the team around us a lot of confidence because we were moving at hyper speed. We were being very aggressive with the things that with the initiatives that we were putting in place. And, you know, when people see that you're doing exactly what you say you're going to do and the things that you said were going to happen are happening, they really start to buy in. They really start to buy in. So, you know, the, the the camaraderie and the morale, you know, that we also started to build in that way is huge. And uh, I'm going to be honest, man, a big part, I don't hear a lot of wholesalers talking about enough, but you can't run the kind of business that, you know, we ran at the last startup we was, nor in this business. A lot of people talk about teams, processes. And let me tell you something, you're not going to have no team if you do not understand and develop your leadership skills. And I don't hear people talk about that enough you have to understand leadership. And the beauty of leadership is that, I don't believe in that natural born leadership. I don't believe in that. Leadership is just like sales. It's a skill set. you can develop it. You, You have to develop into being a leader, right? I do believe some aspects of you can be a natural born salesperson, but I don't believe you're a natural born leader. The word leader is just too robust, it's so comprehensive. It takes so many skills. And you know it takes just so much to be able to do that. But the only way you gonna keep a group of people, you know, inspired, motivated, working, and you know, going at their highest and best level, is for you to have that, um, you know, those skills. And um, you know, me and my partner, that's those are actually some of our strengths. We did a SWOT analysis before we started the business, and we knew that leadership skills was some of the um, the major things you know, that we did have. So we knew building a team early was actually going to work in our favor because when you have leadership, um, John Maxwell, he he actually calls it the law of the lid. You can only grow as big as your leadership can actually take you. So we knew that us acquiring a strong team was much bigger. Than any of the talents that we had. Yes, I'm the phone God, but that don't matter. Uh, uh, four other phone gods is way better than this one phone guy here. So it's, it, it, was, it was never about just what we could do. It was recommend everybody, man, everybody study leadership, especially if you aspire to build. I mean, even if you aspire to build a family, you need to be a leader. But if you also are aspiring to build a business And have a team, even whether virtual or local in person, you got to understand that skill, that skill set.
2: Wow. So how are we looking through the first half of uh, 2021?
1: Man, the first half of 2021 is crazy because, you know, I had this moment where I reflected a lot of times, man, I I call it, you know, you know, we could be inspirationally dissatisfied. You know, where we just, you know, like, damn, man, we did this. Damn, we did this. And, you know, we, we not really satisfied with it. But I had this beautiful moment where I was able to reflect around quarter one of this year. And um, I forgot who pulled me into this reflection. It was somebody. But they pulled me into this reflection. And they was like, Todd, just sit, relax. Like, think about your problems now. And think about this time last year, what your problems were. Just just think about that. And it really allowed me to kind of pull back and be like, Wow. I needed that, I needed that. But at this point, you know, we have a full blown disposition team. So we have an amazingly talented, arguably one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. She actually runs our entire disposition department. And for those who don't know, the disposition department are responsible for taking the contracts that our sales team gets and selling those contracts to our investors. So they're over so much. They're literally responsible for our attorney. They're responsible for our buyers. They're responsible for our sellers. They're responsible for all the administration of our paperwork, the marketing of selling the deal. It's just a lot that goes on back there. It's a very dynamic department and we got a full team back there. So she's managing a transaction coordinator. She's managing a disposition salesperson who talks to buyers and she's, she's pretty much running that department to make sure that all the deals we're getting get close on, on a consistent basis. And that's where the money is made. We also right now have a three man acquisitions team. And um, we are hiring right now this week, we're actually hiring to promote some guy from within to now manage the department. So we're going to have an acquisition manager, because right now I'm still sitting in the seat of acquisition manager, meaning that I'm hiring the guys, I'm training them. I'm running the huddles every day. I'm doing the one-on-ones with them once a month. I'm doing all the things to make sure I can move the team and keep them Going, but we're now about to replace me, put another manager in place, and we would have officially not just got all the tier one positions um, you know, fully um, outsourced, but now we would have also got team members in place for management. We would have now put management in place. So now me and my business partner would just have to manage the managers. Another good point, another good conversation. I'm talking to this um this guy, he's a mentor, the same guy who owns the hard money lending company. This is not a see this guy. He's like, he's truly a mentor. He's been a CEO for two different companies. He's um, a background in accounting. He has a hard money lending business, another business, another hedge fund that he owns. Very successful guy. And he's always been the guy, like he's, since day one, he's always been like, hey man, you guys need to slow down, man. You're getting too many people in here. You're hiring too fast, man. You guys need to make some money. Make some damn money first, man. And um, you know, it used to kind of mess with us a little bit. Like, you know, I, I, I think he's right. Like, should we slow we slow down on building this business and you know, maybe jump in else and make some money? And um, I remember we used to always have to shake that off. That was always one thing we'd be like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, let's let, let's stay down, let's stay down. You gotta know what advice to take, and you gotta know when to still, you know, stay, you know, steadfast on your vision. But recently, actually, we told him we were about to hire a manager, and uh, he was a hire, man. You guys hired. He's like, come on, man. I mean, you got these guys in here; they're doing great. You guys just, you, you, you're starting to do some real deal numbers in here now. And I mean, you, you're about to hire someone again. He's like, why well, you just can't manage the team, Ty? And I, I, think this stuck with him when I said this. I said, um, I said, well, hey, I, 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 um, you know, evaluated the situation in the market, and I realized, you know, we can get a great manager in, you know, with a forty-five thousand dollar base, meaning about thirty-seven fifty a month with a commission. So I asked him. Then I said, "Let me let me ask you here." I said, um, "Mark, do you think my time is worth more than thirty-seven fifty a month?" And when I asked him that, I seen him sit back a bit, and he just nodded. He never asked my question. He never asked my question, but he nodded. He kind of moved on. He moved on from that. But see, it's a different mindset. You know, it's like with trying to be a business owner, I'm chasing the time freedom. I'm not as You know, I'm not in love with that dollar. I'm not in love with the dollar. I'm like, I'm shooting. I see see the finish line in the business. I see the finish line and I'm shooting for it. And um, it's just a different mindset. And I, I think really the gem in that too is even some of the people we look up to in a mentor, people can only teach us what they know. And, you know, people, even the people that love us, they can only give us what they have and you always humbly listen. I'm always hum- with a humble ear, I'm listening because he's me more things that I've applied and then I have denied, just to be clear. But this was just one of those things where it's like, nah man, Trent, listen, I'ma just have to show you when it's all said and done, I'ma just have to be like, I told you so, I told you so, <laughs> you, know, you go- you're gonna just have to watch and see this one.
2: Got you, man. So look, let's, let's walk through a wholesale deal. Walk, walk me through walk me through a wholesale deal. It, a basic one doesn't have to be complicated. Just walk me through that process from acquisition of the ownership of the of the you know contractor rights to sell through the end to the end buyer.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we break our business down into three main departments. I think it's the best way to do it. The three departments are marketing, acquisitions, and dispositions. So the business starts in marketing, right? Marketing is where we find, and just about every business starts in marketing, right? Marketing is where we find the opportunity. So we built and we own a call center, um, you know, where we have 15 callers, um, three people managing the call center itself. It's a pretty robust operation, but that call center is calling thousands of people every single day in seven different markets around the country. They're calling these people to find people who are interested in selling their house, okay? So, they ask about three or four questions to determine whether or not this person is qualified. Once they qualify this person, they pass the opportunity over to our acquisitions team. Acquisitions team gets on the phone. They start further qualifying and negotiating to try to get a discounted contract, So acquisitions on the phone with a property, 123 Main Street in Atlanta, Georgia. They finally agreed to acquire 123 Main Street for $50,000. Now keep in mind, 123 Main Street is worth about, let's call it simple, it's worth about $100,000, okay? It needs about, mm, let's say it's a light one. It needs about 10,000 in work. It needs about 10,000 in work. We got it for $50,000. So with that being the case, what happens is, we then, once, once acquisition gets a contract, we then push that contract over to our disposition. We hand it off. Acquisition, once we get the contract, we no longer talking to that person again. We back talking to sellers all over again to get us another contract. Now, disposition, okay, and more specifically, our transaction coordinator, she's taking this seller that we've just contracted. Hey, Ms. Johnson, how are you? Yeah, congratulations for working with us. My name is XYZ. I'm going to go ahead and be a transaction coordinator. I just got a few questions here um, so we can go ahead and get this ball rolling to get you this cash. Okay. So we onboard our new seller. And what we do once we onboard them, that's when all the games begin. Because in the background, what's happening, is we're now also we're looking, we're set preparing to get photos of the property because we got to now market the property. So that's what we talking to the seller about. We're setting up an inspection day to get photos of the property, right? Once we collect the photos, we make sure we have proper access, we marketing this property to thousands of buyers that will be potentially be interested in this property. Okay. So we got the contract for 50. Remember, now we're trying to sell it to these buyers for 70. So, hey, buyer, now my disposition specialist, he's getting on the phone talking with a bunch of buyers that have now shown interest in one of our marketing campaigns. So a buyer comes in, this dropout says, yeah, I see this deal, one, two, three main street in Atlanta looking for $70,000. Now my disposition specialist, he's going at it. So now he's selling. The same way the acquisitions people was just selling, he's now the salesperson. But it's funny, it's a different dynamic. When we're talking to the sellers, we're the buyer. But when we got the contract, our disposition specialist, he's the seller because now he's selling to the investors. So it's funny because the dynamic kind of changes and the conversation kind of changes and the the positioning and how we negotiate now changes as well. But not to get too deep into that, our goal is now to contract that property for 70 and close it. And that in between, we got it for 50,000, we sold it for 70,000, that in between, that is our revenue as a company. We would have netted 20,000 on that deal. Our goal is actually to average 25,000 per deal. Gotcha.
2: So, in terms of
1: how do you market to your list? To our buyers or to our sellers? To the buyer's list, once you have the property. So, right now, the biggest way we're doing that is we're doing it SMS. SMS has been killing it for us. As a matter of fact, we're about to do email. We've just been having a lot of email issues. A lot of our emails went in the spam, but we actually just um got us a, a, um, uh, got us some consult from an expert in the game. That's about to have every single one of our emails going straight to people's inboxes, which is going to be pretty powerful. So it's going to be SMS and email pretty soon. But right now, I mean, we've been selling every single day we have just off text messages.
2: Is there a specific uh, text messaging service that you use?
1: Yeah. So for, for, for buyers, we use a, a software called ClickSend. ClickSend. ClickSend is like a good mass text messaging software. It's not really good for two-way interface. You can two-way on there but that's not how it was built. you know. It's, it's a little ugly when you try to use it like that. But if you're trying to blast a message out to thousands upon thousands of people relatively quickly and make sure it has high deliverability, ClickSend is it.
2: Gotcha. Do you use a different software for sellers?
1: Yes. So we actually had to build it um, propri- uh, very proprietary because with sellers, it's a little different. We got to go back and forth with sellers quite a bit. It's not just a quick blast. Like, we got to go back and forth with you because I got to qualify you through text. On average, I'm sending you back and forth, maybe about X messages. You got to really know the laws. You got to know the laws. You got to actually know how to get your message across. A lot of people don't know. But if you say certain messages off RIP, carriers will just straight up not deliver your message. If you say things like sale, if you say things like property, if you say things like house, if you say certain hot words, trigger words, your message won't deliver. So the problem is a lot of these softwares that they sell to wholesalers, you know, it's it's just, they, they trash because wholesalers, I'm going to be honest, man, whole, the wholesaling game is a business of non-business people, right? So the thing about it is, is, you know, they just on there doing a bunch of ratchet shit. And what's happening is the carriers, the carriers, if the carrier like T-Mobile or AT&T, if they flag a software Anybody on that software that sends a text message, if they have AT&T, you're not getting through. So the problem is most, you know, wholesalers, they just use whatever software Max Maxwell tell you to use or whoever else is in the industry who's influencing. So we had to move from the mindset of just using what was marketed to the industry to just using the best shit in any industry, period. What is Coca-Cola using? What is, you know, Pepsi using and so on and so forth to be able to, you know, function in this way. And when we started operating in that mindset, we started thinking a lot different. Wow. So what, where are you looking to take your business in 2021? So the goal is 4 million this year. And um, even, you know, 4 million is important, but even more so important than 4 million is we want to eventually build a branch. Like that's our goal. So like now that we have successfully have, we have managers in place. We have our, our, our whole marketing, our call center all of that is working cleanly. I told you we're about to hire a sales manager with, he's going to have five salespeople um, this year. We're not sure if he could do six, but we're going to see um, the capacity of a sales manager when he gets in a role. And we got our disposition team. The, the end goal is to now get a branch manager. The branch manager is going to manage the managers. And it's going to function like any other branch would. Like if you were to walk into an enterprise branch location, how they, you know, have their, uh, 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 you know, chart set up, this is going to be a branch that can do, you know, five to $7 million just at at this one location, you know, with with these set of people here is is pretty much what the goal is. The goal is for this year, but also it's also, uh, we're, we're aggressively shooting not to just get management in place, but by Q4, we're hoping that we can get, not we're hoping, we will get a branch manager in place, Um ideally promoting from within as well. Continue I love promoting from within. I mean we're grooming our own talent and you know we got a good program if we can curate these people within our own um within our own system and our team. But um that's that's the um that's our goal for this year to have it completely managed where me and, you know, me and Ryan, we just more so like the board of directors at this point, you know, just giving counsel. I just want to be like the Oracle, you know, I just want to be given spiritual consult and, you know, I just want to be given counsel. I want to be the old wise man to the business. I don't want to be as involved because I think that's the most, I think that's the best thing that we can do because us not scaling the business is the worst thing that we can do for the people. Me staying the sales manager a lot means that I can't provide them opportunity for growth. When I get out of the sales management position, all of a sudden I open up a new opportunity for these young men to now or and women to now rise up into these spots and now get different skill sets. All the skill sets that I got at my last startup, you know, that that have been very impactful to my life. They now get the opportunities to get this role you know so they don't necessarily have to have this glass ceiling in this company so i love the idea of scaling a company is really providing opportunity for every single person a part of the organization so that's really what i what i want to do at this point get get it scaled where me and Ryan could be all the way out of the, all the way out and you know uh, profitably putting up 4 million this year
2: right so you spoke of your partner um, of course i know Ryan a great guy man great cat
1: um, what is your role and what is Ryan's role in the company? So we are a VI combo. It's a visionary integrator combo. And that's very important to know because you like, see a lot of people, they do this partnership thing all wrong, man. They pick the partner cause this is your best friend. You knew him in high school, you know, you pick your partner because, you know, this person was standing next to you when you came up with the business. So both of y'all might as well do it together. We just do silly shit, you know, just Pick partners off proximity and, you know, no real true vetting process of how you have a partner, but just like a partnership is in businesses, just like it is in marriage right? Like you got to know the strengths and weaknesses of this person. You know, you got to know the value, the core values of this person. You got to know the goals of this person, you know, where they are, what they want. And you got to make sure that it's in harmony with you. And, you know, like I said, thankfully, I've already worked in the trenches with this person. So I was able to, you know, already vet them out in that way. But, you know, it's my my my, my business partner has been, has been just truly, um, just are truly impactful in building this business because he has a lot of strengths where I don't. So I'm gonna give you a good example. As a visionary, I'm very big picture. I'm very paint with a broad brush. I'm really good at creative problem solving. I love problem solving. Give me a problem, I'm gonna really think about how we can fix it out the box. I'm really good at relationship building. I'm really good at getting us to the end goal. See, my business partner, he's different. He's very methodical. He's very process orientated. He's very, how do we get this done? Step by step. I'm not as good as that. I'm not. Like that call center that we own, a lot of, a lot of the the the, the, tr- the day-to-day work to build that very deep. I mean, our call center right now could probably, we could probably scale it to 80 callers, how well managed and how tight it is. And that's just all because of just the mind and the, the detail oriented mind that this guy has. It's insane. Also, he's really – I mean, I'm – I'm, I'm great at leadership, but honestly, I would even say he's a better leader leader than myself. So also, and uh, with the visionary integrated combo, he is directly over the team. Now, of course, once we scale out and put the branch manager in place, the branch manager will be responsible. But you know, he's he's going to be the person that's going to be cross functionally solving a lot of the issues. Um, you know, and cross functionally communicating with the team. Um, you know, once especially once I'm able to hire myself from that sales manager position. Um, You know, so he just from from a building perspective, the visionary integrated combo is really good because it's a it's a really good push pull relationship, really good push pull relationship. Uh, A lot of times we have friction. You know, a lot of times I'm coming up with this idea. He's chopping that shit up and, and, and telling me how bad that idea is you know? And every now and again, I come up with that idea. That's a banger. And it's like, holy shit, this is about to change the entire business. We had it today. Today, actually, we we wasn't even in the office today. We did our every quarter we planned. Huge thing. That's another thing. We always plan it together. We plan quarterly. We plan weekly. We plan annually. And depending on the plan, we have a certain type of setting for it. You know, we have a certain length of time we plan and we always have an agenda for all of these meetings. So today was our quarterly plan. And man, we came up with some, it was like, it's crazy. When you really sit back and get the opportunity to think, to think, it's just crazy the things that your mind can come up with. And we just came up with like some like that, you know, those like, those like, like, oh my God. Like, what was that? We came up with a couple of those today. So man, I'm super excited to that. And that always reinvigorates you, right? That keeps you back, that, that keeps you back excited. Cause you got to stay excited and keep your energy high as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, so, uh, i hope that and by the way did i I even ask you a question
2: yeah you answered the question what ryan's position was yeah okay okay you answered it i need to actually tell ryan i'm gonna get up with him i need him on the show to get his
1: perspective oh yeah 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 i'm gonna tell him right after i'm gonna tell him
2: get him get him on the show um so man i appreciate you hopping on man i appreciate all the great knowledge that you've given Uh, do me a favor and let us know where we can get a hold of you. If we want to learn more about wholesaling or your company.
1: For sure, man. Um, you can, so two, two things. I'm very active on Instagram, very active. A lot of people use that to, to touch me, to ask questions or, or, um, you know, just to get resources, whatever the case is. So follow me, um, at real R E A L Tyshawn T Y S -S E A N Jackson. So it's real Tyshawn Jackson. And um, the funny thing is, people think it's Realty Sean Jackson. Like they think it's real. T- so people <laughs> be like, you like a realtor? I'm like, no, it's Real Ty Sean Jackson. I'm like, y'all gonna have to change my damn name. It's causing all this confusion. But, <laughs> My email also, you could also email me at Tyshawn at DriveAssets with an S um, at gmail uh.com. T- no, I'm sorry, Tyshawn at driveassets.com. Tyshawn at driveassets.com. Either email or IG, hit me up either way.
2: Cool, man. Man, listen, this was a great op- great interview, great uh great information given. Um, I look forward to uh, doing some business with you here soon, man. And, and thanks for uh, sharing with us, brother. You have a good
1: one. Hey, right, Thank you for having me, brother.
0: All right. Thank you for listening and be sure to follow Kevin on Instagram at The People's Lender. We'll see you here next time on Real Estate Proverbs with Kevin Jefferson.